2: Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings podcast. As requested, we are going to answer the questions that you tweeted us and Raj, who's of course with me. Um apologies. This is probably about two weeks after you've asked the questions. Uh, but we've both been busy. So let's get straight into it. Um, this is from CFC Triple G. I don't want to read out his handle because it's not uh let's say it's not PG. Um top three favourite active players? So as we always discuss, this is tactical, but some of these questions will be just an insight into how we see football. Which, to be fair, I think that probably tells a lot about how we analyse football in that sense as well, right? Like if you sit here and go, my top three favourite midfielders are Conor Gallagher, Henderson and someone else, I pretty much know what how you see the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so number one, I'm quite biased because obviously I've interviewed him, but Jamal Musiala is my Number one, uh, I think in a game where individualism is being killed from the sport a bit, I think I think mean, Musiala is a refreshing kind of change to that. Uh, the way he takes the ball in tight spaces, dribbles past men, can shoot, uh, has a creative pass in his locker. Uh, he's got a bit of everything really, and he brings like all the spark to a game that you want to see. Um, he's having a few little problems this season uh, compared to. Last season where he was um, really on fire, but I think it's more to do with the team uh, rather than him. Uh, he's, uh, but he's still looking like a fantastic talent and I think he will be on uh, Ballon d'Or podiums in the future.
2: Okay, You're asked for three. We'll do one each on the way. Um, my favourite currently, I still like, it's very biased, I'm a Liverpool fan, but Van Dijk. Um, I just don't think we've seen a like a genuinely a species like him play football in the way he does. Um, just the general control of how he plays the game. Um and also how he sees the game. A lot often when he speaks, I often sit and go, Oh, I saw it kind of the same way. Um so yeah, probably Van Dijk at the moment. Go on, Roger, second one. Tiago, surely.
0: Yeah, I think we have to have Thiago in there. That's a good shout actually. Yeah. I think The way he passes the football, I think there's no one like him, really. The way he just punches the ball through the tightest of gaps, can split any defensive line, really. Um, The way he turns with it, I think there's no one better in terms of evading pressure when he's given the ball in an awkward situation. He can manipulate it, spin away. Yeah, he's just a magical player to watch, really.
2: Yeah, Thiago's probably up there for me. Um, I still love Tony Cruz. I don't think there's too many players quite like him. I think his understanding of the game is... Like, not many of the players I've ever seen. And he, I think, well, I also think he's very underappreciated as well. Um,
0: so, Tony Cruz for me. Last one for me, I think, will be Vinicius Jr. I think Ooh. he gets a bit of stick, I think, with his end product sometimes. But I think he just brings electricity to a match. I think he can just roast any kind of player. He's the best, for me, let's say, yeah, he's the best 1v1 winger in the world for me, Vinicius. Uh, he kind of encapsulates what I want to see from my winger and his off-ball movement this is what I like about him He is a he's the epitome of repeated intensity and that's a phrase I heard Thomas Tuchel use once about Raheem Sterling about why he brought Chelsea he's always testing someone with a run off the ball or either deep dragging the defender deep and then spinning him behind or making a diagonal run and that's what I love about him as well as his 1v1 ability his repeated intensity so yeah Vinicius is my last one
2: Nice. Repeated intensity. I thought you made up another one of your own, but clearly (laughs) not. (laughs) I
0: borrowed it off Tuchel this time. (laughs)
2: Um, Next question, definitely more tactical, from FPL Future One. What do you think of Stefan Bajetik as a long-term number six
0: for Liverpool? I think Bastic is going to be an easier play as a number eight, in my opinion. I think the way he carries the ball is very special. Uh, He's quite graceful along the ground. And also, he's now looking a bit bigger uh, in terms of size as well, I think he is going to that uh, six foot four, six foot five mark. Uh, he's had a gross spurt, which is partly why he's been injured. So I think number eight, he's going to eat up the ground. He's going to carry the ball. His technical ability in the final third is quite good. I remember the goal at Villa where he rounded Emi Martinez on the run and then chipped it in. It was a beautiful goal, really. So I see him more of an eight rather than a dictating uh, number six. But I think it might be able to mould him into a double pivot kind of player. Um, someone like. A, a a Palacios at Leverkusen where he mm. has freedom to carry the ball but he can also sit in and dictate it as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, that might be the future for him.
2: For those listening, just to, just, it just popped up to my head there. Um, you said uh, Bajetik's injury could also be to do with the fact that he's growing as well. Um, what do you mean by that?
0: So, I mean, it happened with Curtis Jones as well. He, he had a growth spurt and then they start. He started getting uh, things like shin splints because uh, obviously the bones take a while to strengthen. They elongate, but they don't strengthen in, in, in at the same point. And the muscles also don't compensate in the same way. So that's what it, it probably is. And they're probably having to condition him to manage this new growth spurt and kind of fill out his body in the right areas where 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 he's kind of weak in some sometimes of his muscle bulk and muscle strength.
2: Interesting. Um, I didn't ever think of it that way. I, I did have shin splints once when I was 18. Um, mm. But fun fact, when I was 18, I was five nine, And then mm. when I turned 19, I was 5'10 and three quarters. So maybe I had the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's very, very tiny growth though. Um, this is a very good question. Really like this one, obviously, because uh, Mourinho has just been sacked at Roma. Not just, but not that long ago. From Niloy Khan. he said, Can Jose Mourinho win a Euros or a World Cup? And do we think his style suits international football more than club football
0: now? 100%. And there's two reasons for it. There's one which you're going to enjoy as a psychological reason. I think the man-management aspect of Mourinho (laughs) has actually led him to age poorly in the game. The way he tries to uh, kind of G his team up is very harsh on his players. And I think that only works for a certain period. And it also creates a kind of us-against-the-world mentality. I think that works... Uh, for a short period of time. But but in international management, he won't be seeing the players all the time. So he'll be able to stimulate them for that short period of time and get their performance levels raised. So yeah, definitely from that point of view, and tactically as well, he's obviously more of a reactive manager in terms of how he doesn't want to dominate the ball necessarily, wants to be powerful in the counter-attack uh, and just strong defensively. And we've seen Deschamps win a World Cup uh, like that. So um, definitely, I think he will take the Portugal job eventually. I hope he does anyway. I
2: think uh, I'm of the same um, thought process. I don't think Mourinho has the, either maybe it's mental fatigue or it's just the games has changed so much. I don't think he's got the appetite for a full season. I think even at Roma in his first season, when Roma were gunning for the top three, I think, I think they were fourth in the table, you saw like a side to Mourinho, which I was like, oh, he's back to his best because he could galvanise the players for, I think there was six games where they won on a stretch. Then Juve beat them with a last-minute winner. And suddenly it just dropped after that. I just think to manage a team for 38 games Uh, and Mourinho always expects to win things. I just don't think he can do that anymore from a psychological standpoint. And then just to double down on what you said, I also think from a psychological standpoint, and I think to the World Cup with Leo Messi and Argentina, often when I look at that Argentina uh, team, and we spoke about Romero on a previous episode in the Arsenal-Liverpool episode, they were so stimulated to go and win it for Messi. You had players like Emi Martinez absolutely playing to a level that is unheard of for him, I think. Uh, and he's to be fair, he's like that often when he's at Argentina. But even guys like Molina were coming off the bench, and I was thinking, flipping heck, like is, this guy can do it. I think Mourinho can get players into that space, into that focus for four to six games, and you can probably run the entire tournament if you give him quality players. He, he can still execute. But I think in a league season now, like he will struggle, Um, which is why, and it's a completely different topic. But I do think if he goes to Chelsea now-ish, he might be able to get him to the end of the season with that galvanising Mourinho style and have a good end to the season. But that's a topic for another day. Um, Next question from Classmate47. Who's your favourite to win the Champions League this time round?
0: Good question. I think there are four favourites. Um... Top, I'd have Man City still. Uh, second, probably Real Madrid. Third, maybe Bayern. And fourth, probably Arsenal. I think the underrated shout is also uh, Inter or Atletico Madrid. It's a shame, really, that both of them are playing each other. Uh, but it will be a fantastic tie. Um, but I think those two are playing some good football. Simeone's involved in possession. And we know Inzaghi is quality in knockout tournaments, really. His cup record, his Champions League record is all very good. Uh, he t- took Man City all the way last season in the final. Uh, took Liverpool all the way the season before. So he's definitely got pedigree in knockouts. Uh, yeah, but overall, Man City I think look powerful. They got Kevin back. They got Haaland coming back. Doku's an additional threat compared to Grealish last season. Um, obviously, they lost Gundogan, but I think Kovacic is now settling into his groove actually quite nicely. Um, uh, so yeah, they're still my favourites, Manchester City.
2: I'm probably going to agree with you. Um, I have a wider question in a second for you. But I think we're at a position where I don't think the the rest of the European sides that initially I thought could trouble Man City are actually in the best place. Uh, Real Madrid typically for psychology and aura and being the mentality monsters in tournament football, especially Champions League, I feel like they could go all the way. And in a one-game knockout sort of situation, they could turn City over. But over two legs, I think City are too strong for any team. Um, I actually think Arsenal over two legs could stop City but I think overall City are a bit too strong I think Inter again are a great example of a team that I think on I mean I actually think they outplayed City in the Champions League final last Mm. time around Mm. some people disagree but I think that was the first time I saw Pep scratching his head with no idea of what to do well just a quick wider question on the Champions League generally on the state of the quality in Europe, the tactical level, the coaching level in Europe at the moment, the fact that we are both going Man City, so you're probably going to win it. Obviously, testament to them being a great side. But what's your general thought on where Europe is sat at the moment in terms of quality?
0: I think we're about to see a beast awaken, and that beast is going to be Real Madrid. I think this Mbappe signing is going to make them an absolutely ridiculous team. Uh, they're just that, that signing in the Champions League. I expect them to do a free peat like they did under Zidane, they get Mbappe. Imagine coping with Mbappe, Vinicius and Jude. That is ridiculous quality in the final third. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to be strong. And obviously, great in knockouts. But as you say, the general level, yeah, it's not the greatest, is it? Um, Barca are flagging. Uh, but I do see some shoots of recovery, as we mentioned. Atletico and Inter looking good this season. Leverkusen, you can add them to the mix. Mm. Um... And, yeah, the Premier League is looking it's very strong with three excellent teams um, at the top. So, yeah, I do see some shoots of recovery. Uh, last season, I thought, it was an all-time low. Uh, I thought that Champions League was dreadful. Chelsea and Liverpool were like cannon fodder. Um, and the rest, Bayern got dismantled. Real Madrid got dismantled. Um, although, I do think that was because they had Tony Kreese playing as a six. I know you, you said you play, you like him, but that was an issue for them. with yeah. Man City. Um, he hasn't got the legs for that anymore. But yeah, I thought last season was bad, but I think that it's improving slightly now. Can
2: okay, you mentioned uh, Mbappe? Puts, brings us very nicely onto this question from Al Amin. So, do you think Mbappe will hinder the development of Vinicius Junior if he ended up with Real Madrid in the summer? You just also said Vinicius Junior is one of your favourite players. Um, then you also said Mbappe could take Madrid to a 3 P. So, two things might have to figure out a way to come.
1: Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com ACAST. That's burrow.com ACAST. Burrow.com ACAST. Exist.
0: Yep, yeah, I do think it will hinder Vanessa, sadly. Because Mbappé wants that inside left channel. He wants the wide left channel. He wants the inside left channel. Coming inside like a Thierry Henry and whipping those finishes either to the near post or bending them to the far post. Um, so you need him in that position. You don't sign Mbappé to play him down the right channel, even in this 4 2 diamond system. I still want him as a left-sided striker. The way around it might be playing Vinicius as the right-sided striker and then Jude behind him as a ten. Mm-hmm. I think, but as you say, that's going to limit Vinicius because he, again, also enjoys dribbling from that left-hand side uh, and taking defenders on and also himself moving inside off the ball and scoring goals from the left. So I think it will hinder him, but the overall greater cause will be Real Madrid being a phenomenal team.
2: It'll be interesting because I've spoken a lot about this on uh, various other platforms about... People have said Vinicius can play off the right, Mbappe can play off the right. I think people think it's a lot easier than it actually is to switch a winger from their favoured side to their not so favoured side for the less so for the purpose of can they score goals and get assists There more so from the angles they can access I look mm-hmm. at like Mo Salah if Salah had to play off the left hand side and Mane off the right Mane actually wasn't awful off the right because he was two-footed and also mm-hmm. um he's very adaptable as a footballer and his skill set is very adaptable whereas Salah I mean, Salah's trademark thing is he traps the ball with his right foot all the time. If you trap the ball with your right foot on the left-hand side, think about what, what position that would leave your body in and also what position you'd be in to then get the ball onto your favoured left side. Um, obviously, if you're right-footed, think about it the opposite way around. So I think I just think the dynamic just shifts. It's often a debate about centre-backs. Why does Van Dijk like playing left centre-back instead of right centre-back? Um Again, it's because of access, it's because of his body positions. And if you switch him to the other side, honestly, it'd be a world of change. Um, just quickly, whilst we're on that topic, uh, I'm trying to think of a winger that can play both sides like f- very flexibly, very fluently. I'm thinking Goku, of maybe Pedro. Docco, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, Pedro was good at that. Um, who else? Rodrigo, to be fair. He's doing a job on the right and also on the left uh, when Vinicius is injured. So, yeah, he's one as well. Um, Leroy Sane has now developed his game so he can actually play True. left and right. Uh, Kingsley Coman's another one. So yeah, there's a few around.
2: Interesting. Uh, we'll stay in Spain, because obviously that question was about Remedin. Uh What do you think, well, it's actually a combination to be fair. What do you think of the crisis of identity at both Barca and United? Uh, of course, Xavi is not there anymore and Ten Hag is still in the job. Um, Xavi has proven that his game model uh, works for the first season, yet two and a half years later, it seems to fall apart. Uh, Band-Aids FC and Manchester United are exactly the same. This question is from anchor 25 b
0: Wait, Xavi, you're still at the club, right? Or have I missed something here?
2: Uh, no, he's leaving at the end of the season, sorry. Yeah, he's leaving. Yeah, yeah. My bad, he's leaving at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Xavi, yeah, it's interesting. Because last season, Faster's possession play was a lot better. Uh, and I think that was down to them having the likes of Busquets there and Jordi Albert, to some extent, although he did get phased out for Balde in the end. These guys understand the principles of positional play uh, and how to dictate the tempo of a match. Barca haven't had that this season. And Xavi has not been able to coach it into his players, more importantly. And I think one guy who I think has been an issue for them is Frankie de Jong. I think mm. he does. he's a very talented player. But one, his intensity off the ball, which I think is a Dutch thing. I think the only man who really broke it for me is Clarence Seydorf or Jeannie Wijnaldum. Uh, those guys had that off ball attitude, attitude. The likes of Snyder, Van der Vaart, Graven uh, and now you've got uh, Coop Miners as another one. Now you've got this guy, Frankie. They don't have that intensity in the duel. They sometimes switch off concentration wise. That off ball work doesn't appeal to them. Uh, they want to be carrying it, they want to be on the ball. And also, his he's not a dictating six. That's a big problem for Barca. He wants to move the ball too much. Uh, and so they've had an issue in that position without Busquets. And I think Busquets should be regarded as the greatest DM of all time after what he was doing even under Xavi last season. Uh, in his in his last years, he got them that title really. Without him, they've looked toothless. Uh, Ten Hag, he's never really implemented his style. That's the difference between him and Xavi. He has never been able to get his grasp over what style uh, Manchester United should be playing. They're looking a bit sharp in possession now with Shaw and Lissandro back, but still very heavily reliant on the counter-attack. Chaotic games you saw against Wolves. Um, they were leaking goals in the end there. Um, and, and it's too end-to-end for me. Uh, and they don't move into the final third in an organised manner uh, too, too often enough. Um, and I don't know what that is I think Ten Hag's confused with his coaching ideas to be honest he's then said I want to become the best transition side in the world mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't have the players for transitional football he's got Anthony on the right wing for example he's got had yeah, Sancho so he's gone now uh, but maybe with Hoyland and Rashford he's going to carry on down the transition route but we'll have to see
2: All right. Interesting. Um, This is the question that I think a lot of people have asked you and have asked me the same thing. Um, I'll answer this one first so you have a bit of time. This is from Rins Offal. Who's your pick as a successor for Jurgen Klopp? He's then put Xabi Alonso. Um, I've done a video already on social media. I'm going to do a few others. at looking at the other managerial managerial options. Um, But for me at this moment in time, and as I said at the start, and if you listen to the insight regularly, it tends to be Raj provides the tactics, I provide the psychology and we lean into each other's worlds a little bit here and there. Um, I think the psychology behind this manager is more important than the manager himself in terms of tactics and in terms of input to games and things like that. Because whoever comes in will have to change the way Liverpool play. No one no one plays football the way Klopp does or Klopp likes to. Xabi Alonso is a completely different world of that. Uh, I won't speak on the tactics. So I think Raj might touch on it. But I think the psychological side of bringing Xabi Alonso in is crucial because Liverpool fans need to feel connection again because that is how Klopp has built this club for the last eight years. I think if you bring in De Zerbi, for example, I don't. I just think De is much more of a chaotic character than Jürgen Klopp. Uh, a bit more divisive, a bit less likeable, um, whereas Alonso will immediately be given time, immediately be given trust and immediately be given love. I think those three things are crucial. Uh, for whoever comes in as Liverpool manager. Um, so that would be my pick, if I had to pick one.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you from that soccer perspective, 100%. He's the best fit, Xabi. Um, and also, I've got a top two. I haven't really decided yet. I'm still researching Xabi Alonso and from a tactical perspective. I haven't been able to catch loads of Leverkusen matches. Um, but my top two are Amorim, of Sporting Lisbon. I've been a big fan of him for a few years. Um, and also Alonso. And the commonality they have is they are good at developing players. Amarim has got a conveyor belt of talent he developed. Uh, Mateus Nunez is one. He's at Man City now. Pedro Porro is another one. Um, obviously, Victor Jokeres has gone there from Coventry. Uh, obviously, I know Jokeres well. Um, but And he's taken him to a new level, I think, Amarim has. Um, mm-hmm. Another one is Jao Palinha. He was a very instrumental in his development. Manuel Ugarte is another one. Uh, he's now gone to PSG. PSG. He's got a brilliant... And the other one is also Nuno Mendes as well, who went to PSG. Mm. So he's got a brilliant record developing young talent. It will fit in with FSG's philosophy. He works with a sporting director as well at Sporting... Um, I think it's Hugo Viana. I think yep. it might be him. ex-player, I think. Yeah. Um, I might have got that wrong. It's, it's definitely some kind of Portuguese ex-player, but they've got a good... Um, Good relationship there. He he he, get, he profiles the buys for Amarim and Amarim takes his advice on board. And FSG want that, definitely. They want that sporting director model in place. And tactically, one issue is I think his pressing could be a bit better. He's a bit more of a... He actually idolised a bit of Mourinho growing up, uh, Amarim. Uh, and he can be sometimes a bit passive off the ball. So I need to see a bit more in terms of his pressing identity. Uh, can he hang with the big boys of uh, Arteta and Pep uh, from that point of view? And Xabi Alonso, I like him in terms of his build-up. I find his build-up fascinating to watch. They keep it slow, 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 sometimes in their their own defensive third. And suddenly, when it's time to move into the final third, they accelerate with third-man combinations, short passes, um, rotations of position. Um, It's really brilliant football to watch. And I like how he also manages games as well. I've seen him, um, I think last year, he actually led to Nagelsmann Sacking by beating uh, Bayern Munich at uh, the Allianz. Um, and they went 2-1 up and he shut everything down on Nagelsmann. They couldn't penetrate him. So he's got a bit of a flexibility and that comes from working under so many different managers. Mourinho, Benitez, mm. Ancelotti, Pep, um, Aragones, Vincente Del Bosque. He's got the whole raft of different football philosophies he's learned from. And I think you see that in his game model at times.
2: Both. But I think both, as I said, are probably my two lead candidates. It's just hard to choose. It'll be interesting. Both, both it most,
0: Im- most importantly, both have good drip on the touch lines. As well. I mean, my he- guy knows. <laughs> that was exactly what I was going to say next. Amarim's clobber is fantastic if you have a look at yeah. it. Yeah. And, he's, and got he's got facial he's, hair. Facial hair. And he's put on mass as well this season. He's become yeah. a stacked guy. I'm hey, be listen, that's perfect.
2: if we get him as gaffer, that's perfect for me and you. <laughs> um, also, it was Hugo Viana, by the way, ex-Newcastle player long, long time ago. Oh, so it um, was it? Yeah, it was. Good knowledge. Um, final question, bit of a fun one. This is from T Cups. Cups spelt with a K, with two Ps. Uh, figure that out yourself. Are your top three midfielders ever seen? Um, go, Be tactical with this if you like, or just three midfielders you enjoy watching?
0: So, Thiago, I've already mentioned. Uh, ever seen? Um Stevie Gerrard I have to have in there. I was my idol growing up. I loved how he played the game from a combative perspective. He was just all over the park. He's a kind of inspirational figure, really. And then, um, I have to say Busquets. I think Busquets just epitomises everything. Ice cold uh, in his veins. He never used to get rattled. And defensively, I think nobody speaks about Pete Busquets defensively, actually. Mm. Aerially, he's a monster. He mopped up everything in the air. And he got those long legs out for the tackles as well, and his reading of the game—it's all in the brain. It doesn't—he didn't doesn't need to express pace. He reads the game quicker. We were talking about that earlier about ourselves going back to 7 side football, <laughs> about reading where the ball's going to land uh, half the time as a defensive midfielder. Not all about your legs.
2: Um, I've Sergio Busquets for me, unbelievable. Um, I just think. Obviously, I've said this before, people don't like it, but I think Xavi and Iniesta you'll find again. I don't think you'll find Busquets ever again. Mm. Um, reading of the game for a guy that was so lanky, um, ability to just stop um, players in their tracks, abilities to, ability to take players out of the game with one touch. Like, like These are qualities that I think are so rare in players. Um, as Steven Gerrard, obviously, being a Liverpool fan, naturally, I adored Steven Gerrard. I think he could do absolutely everything in the game. Um, and then my third choice, I mentioned Tony Cruz earlier. Uh, probably when I was younger, it was actually Bastian Schweinsteiger, like an all-action midfielder um, mm. who developed his game to to be different, a different type of player at different times. Um, also, a really fascinating character as well. Uh, when he moved to Manchester United, I did dislike him a little bit, um, but overall, those would probably be my three. And, and Kaká actually, I'll throw Kaká in there for the, for the stint when he was at his peak. I was growing up at that time, um, absolutely. Adored Kaka. Um, that is all the questions, Raj. Are, are you happy? There is a few others, but I'm sure we'll come to answering more questions uh, further down the line. If you're happy.
0: Last one on the uh, midfielder genre. I'm a big fan of the box-to-box midfielder. I posted something about this, actually. Um, I'm loving out Federico Valverde at the moment and also Rodrigo De Paul. I love that the box-to-box midfielder. can do a bit of everything. It's my favourite genre. And back in the day, obviously, I like Clarence Um I like Michael Balak. Um. Uh, so yeah, th- that's probably my favorite type. And Schweinsteiger, you-, you mentioned a similar. I didn't really watch too much of him compared to the others, but yeah, yeah, those. Th- that is a brilliant type of midfielder. For me.
2: Yeah, the um, Schweinsteiger was the midfielder you just described in his peak. Anyway, he had a lot of injuries later on. Um, right. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all the questions you asked us as well. Um, keep the questions coming across social media. We will do another Q and A at some point. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you're listening on Spotify or only the platform, make sure you drop a like. And if you have any more questions, put them on Spotify. You are allowed to message us on there now. Uh, we can publish them to the wider audience and we can discuss them at the start of future episodes. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next
1: time. Planning for your next trip?